Welcome to the City Reach Baptist podcast. If you would like more information about the life of our church, please go to our website at cityreach.com.au or like us on Facebook. We hope you enjoy this message. G'day. Welcome to the City Reach Family of Churches YouTube channel. You know, we know that uh, online resources are no substitute for, you know, live preaching in your own local church. But we pray that these messages will really bless you spiritually. If you want to find out more about City Reach and our churches, you can go to cityreach.com.au. Now we hope you enjoy this message. Um, my name's Jason, for those that don't know me. Uh, maybe is, show of hands, is anyone here for their very first time uh, here at City Reach Oakton? Anyone? Yeah, there's so many people. Look around, City Reach guys, look around. There are new people, so welcome them. Welcome. You're very welcome here. So we've been in a series in the book of Philippians for a couple weeks, and we're looking at how to have joy in different circumstances, in different situations. We looked at how to have joy in the midst of trials. We looked at how to have joy in uncertainty. But what is joy? What is this joy we're talking about? It's not this uh, fluffy, you know, uh, fake uh, really superficial facade that we put on. It's not that, it's, it's a lot deeper than that. And, and I had uh, attempted to try to define it in my limited capacity. Uh, and this is how I've described joy. A deep satisfaction and fulfilling delight in your innermost being, despite your circumstances. I'll say that again, a deep satisfaction and fulfilling delight in your innermost being, despite your circumstances. It's this joy, it doesn't come from the world. You won't get it, you won't find it in a relationship, you won't find it in a person, a boy or a girl. Uh, you can't find it from the world. It only comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. A joy we can only experience when we're submitted to his lordship. It's not natural, it's not normal to be able to find joy in situations that are really difficult. And so I would almost say, dare to say that since it's of God, uh, that it's actually a supernatural joy to have. Do you need this kind of joy in your life? I know that I do. I, I need this joy. It's uh, because we promised as believers to, to experience uh, hard times. And so we're going to be looking at how to find joy in our circumstances you know, I'm just thinking of the, I don't know everyone here tonight, there's clearly some new faces uh, with us, but I'm just imagining that there's a, there's a number of us that are going to face a difficult week ahead of them. I'm thinking of the person whose family can't even look them in the eye because of their faith, or a work colleague or a boss or a manager who is going to give you a hard time this week because of uh, who you are as a child of God, just simply because of who you are. We need this kind of joy in our life. And as we hit chapter 2 in the book of Philippians, uh, we, Paul, the Apostle Paul, he wrote the letter, uh, he starts to dig deep into the heart of relationships uh, in the church of Philippi, uh, who was the recipients of his letter. And he talks about how he and how they can have real joy. Uh, and this is joy even though the Apostle Paul was in prison on death row, that he could have joy, real joy. And I believe we can discover uh, how to have joy in our lives when life gets messy, when our relationships get messy, when the church gets messy. Real joy. And so let's pray. 
Let's ask that God would really enable us to understand this. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Bible. We thank you for the Word of God. And that we can open it freely right now uh, without persecution. Uh, Very freely we can open it up and study it together as a big group of people. And God, we just hope that that you will speak to us now. As we look at the example of Christ and as we, as we understand what we're called to, to do and what to, who to be as the church, I pray that we will uh, learn something new and be able to apply it to our life in your strength. And so I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's, uh, if you've got your Bible and you've already opened it up to Philippians chapter 2, we can't get too far reading it together again because the, the chapter starts with the word so. For anyone that's studied a bit of the Bible, uh, a good and uh, just good English, uh, is when you hit this word so, uh, it's another way of saying therefore, uh, or in light of what has just gone before, and then it proceeds. And so it, we do well to, to know what has gone before. Uh, we get too, uh, st- uh, you know, to get too far ahead of ourselves. And so, and this is important because Paul is about to say, in light of this, my joy is going to be complete and overflowing, and so do this. And so we do well to find out what that is. And so what is that? Well, let's read uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. It says, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. A manner of life worthy of the gospel is one that is united with other believers in all things, particularly suffering. We're promised that as believers. And so this, in light of unity, is what we're talking about. And uh, where there is not unity, where there is disunity, uh, I'm going to put to you that there is not a lot of joy. Uh, has anyone been to New Zealand before? I know Pastor Timon's about to go uh, to New Zealand tomorrow. I mean, we've got people that are from New Zealand. But I've had uh, the joy of going to New Zealand twice in my life with Lauren, my wife. And uh, recently we went in November. We caught up with Aaron and Jess Hodgson. Some of you guys know them. We've, they've been here for a, a few years and they're, they're serving the Lord over there. Um, but the first time we went to New Zealand was yeah, back in 2013, our first year wedding anniversary. And um, if you can go, go. It is beautiful. And we're all, it's on the day of our wedding anniversary, and with Lauren and I are trying to think of some fun things to do. And uh, just we're in Queenstown, and just picture you know, beautiful lakes, glaciers, mountains, uh, parks, and, and just, yeah, snow-capped mountains and forests. And, and uh, we found this golf course. It's not an ordinary golf course, it's frisbee golf. Has anyone heard of frisbee golf, disc golf? It is awesome. And uh, it is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, get rid of the clubs, get rid of the balls, the tees. It's a frisbee, and you're just playing golf with frisbee. And uh, what I soon realized uh, a little bit into this game is that I, I'm pretty good at frisbee golf. <laughs> Don't mean to toot my own horn, but but I soon realized that I, I, at one point I even got a hole in one. I was surprised, and I thought to myself, if this became an Olympic sport, I'm representing us. I'm back, yeah, I was, I was all right. And so here's me really stoked with, uh, with my performance, but then 
in contrast to this is Lauren's performance. Um, she tried really hard, um, but it just wasn't in her strength and ability. I just felt so bad for her because she, at one point, she threw this frisbee down and it sort of went into a tumble and then turned off course and then went down this embankment into the into the river, and it was pretty funny, and so I laughed about it a fair bit. And, but, <laughs> but you've got, can you see this image of what should have been a real happy, enjoyable experience on our wedding anniversary, uh, and it was not fun, and there was no joy <laughs> because of this disunity that we had. Um, but the same is true of the church. It's just like the mar marriage is designed to be unified, not divided, the same is true of the church. It's to be united. I want to read to you just a, a portion of God's Word. Uh, it's a letter from Paul um, to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. I believe it's on the screen. Uh, let me read it to you. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. This is a very explicit example of Paul saying the church should be marked as one that is united. So what happens when there is conflicts within the church? What happens when unity in the church is broken? When there's tension in friendship groups? When there's division in ministry? How do you restore unity to what I think is a broken church if it's uh, experiencing disunity? And that's the, the main message of tonight is that the church will experience real joy when it learns to really love others and is unified in that love. Where there's disunity, there is no real joy. The church is broken when it's not united. And so we're going to look at a few ways that, that I think God's Word is saying that we can experience joy in a broken church. And uh, the first, firstly, we see it in verse 2. In our, in our passage, chapter 2, verse 2, it says, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. We've got to align our minds as one. And so, just to go back, it's in light of unity being what it's all about for the church, it, we've got to be unified. What's going to make us have this overflowing joy? It's being unified. In light of unity, be unified, please. This is what Paul is saying. And so Paul's encouragement is to adopt the same mindset or attitude of love. And maybe a, diff, uh, a better way to, that could have been translated, but it sounds clumsy, is an attitude set. The attitude of love, and we see that plainly in, in sandwiched in between having the same mind, is have the same love. This is what will bring us true joy. And why is that? Well, now, aligning our minds brings us joy because isn't it just truly satisfying when you know your conduct and your actions are exactly how they should be? There's this satisfaction that comes from obedience. And Paul's joy is overflowing as he hears of the Philippian church, living according to the way God has designed them. Maybe you're in conflict with someone right now, maybe someone at that church, Maybe conflict uh, with someone at Thrive or in youth group. Maybe Oasis. Maybe you're avoiding them. I would, and we've learnt this this morning, uh, Pastor Graham just shared so beautifully from God's word that 
You need to be reconciled with them. We need to be peacemakers, as we've learned in our morning series. Go reconcile with them. Be of the same mind, the same love. God delights in our obedience, which I think does give us this deep satisfaction, this fulfilling delight. What does this same mind, same love attitude look like? Well, we're going to read uh, verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in what? Humility. Humility. Count others more significant than yourselves. So the second thing that, that I believe the church is called to, to do, to experience this joy in a, in a broken church, is to, to be humble. Just a few definitions of uh, humility that are found on the internet from dictionaries is uh, freedom from pride or arrogance, the quality of having a modest or low view of one's importance. I think the Bible gives us a much deeper understanding of this. And I think it's, there's a few distinctive marks to, to someone that is humble. And uh, the, firstly, as we saw in verse 3, it's that being selfless. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. In humility Count others more significant than yourselves. Count others more significant than yourself. This love is about treating others as worthy of being served. It's this beautiful shift in our mind of just looking at a brother and sister and saying, you are worthy to be served, and I'm going to serve you because you're worthy. And to contrast that, it's not doing anything in a way that desires yourself to come out on top. You know, saying things like, they, they earn this much, so, so should I, so should I. They have things, nice things, and so should I. It's putting that attitude away. It's not hoping to gain accolades and, and reward, not seeking to step over people to succeed, but, but rather making yourself low beneath them and seeing them as more worthy to serve. And this word conceit uh, is more about just being a sore loser. You know, when things don't go your way, when you don't get the things that you selfishly desire, and having this attitude of, you know, taking pleasure when something bad happens to someone, like, did anyone used to watch Funniest Home Video Show where, you know, the dad's asleep on the couch and the kid jumps and gets him and prevents him having a little brother or sister? It's, <laughs> It's just, you know, taking delight in something that bad happens to someone. So that we are to be selfless people in our humility. And secondly, verse 4, let's read. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And so the second distinctive of someone who's humble is someone that is a, a servant looking to the interests of others. The word interests, and I'm going to bore you uh, with, uh, you know, original languages and things like that, but, but the word interest isn't really in there. We kind of put it in there. It's another way of saying things. Um, and so it's like, uh, it's a bit, bit of an open, has a bit of an openness to this, this passage. It's, you know, don't just look to your, your things, the, the many things. Don't look to, um, don't look to your, your house, your family, your job. Look to others. Put off selfishness 
and prideful pursuits. And of course, the, the key word in this, this passage is others. Who do we focus on? Others. Who did Jesus, in his ministry on earth, who did he focus on? Others. I want to read to you uh, Mark 10, 45. It's a beautiful example of, of this. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus was others-minded. He served humanity. He made himself low. How easily we can fall into this trap of self-entitlement. I deserve to be served. Jesus was not like that. And the beauty of the gospel is, is that it frees us from this entitlement to be served as we look to Jesus, his example. We follow Jesus' example of being a servant. Being a servant of others is beautiful because when we serve others, we serve Jesus. And that brings much joy. I just, it's kind of dawned on me today as, as I've, I've been preparing. It's just that beauty of serving a brother and sister in Christ is serving Jesus. It's beautiful. Who could you serve this week? Is it your spouse, your teacher, your boss, a peer? Who could you serve? Seriously consider who could you serve and knowing that as you serve them, you are serving the Lord Jesus. It's not just figurative language. You're literally serving the Lord Jesus in that beautiful act of service. So we've looked at the need to, to be selfless and a servant. And thirdly, we look to the example of Christ in his humility, that which is sacrificial. Look at me, uh, look to verse 5 with me. Uh, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. This is beautiful truth in this, this. And as I said, there's so much in this, but... What has been a stumbling block for many people through the ages is what it, what is Jesus emptied himself because some claim that he'd emptied himself of being God and that is not true. That is far from the truth. In fact, it's something so beautiful and sacrificial is that he didn't cease to be God. He didn't grasp onto the benefits of being God. But he, he left heaven. He left that, that beautiful communion with God the Father and God the Spirit and he left the benefit of being in that and being adored in heaven to come humbly in the form of man to serve us. What a sacrifice that was for him to let go of that. But he didn't cease to be God. Fully God, fully man. Jesus is fully God became fully man. He chose to not hold on to that part of his glory. He didn't empty himself of being God, but the benefits of being God. By being born in the, the form of humanity, just a bit of a silly analogy, but you know, in my marriage to Lauren, uh, if I leave and go on a fishing trip, which I do from time to time, um, sometimes I go for, for a week. And, but when I go on those holidays, or those, that fishing trip, 
I don't cease to be her husband, and I don't, you know, the vows that we, we said before God and before witnesses, they don't just become void and, and don't mean anything anymore. They still stand. However, this, there is this, like, temporarily, we, I do lose the benefit of marriage. I don't get to drive her to work. I don't get to hear her funny songs she makes up on the spot. I don't get to give her a kiss goodnight when we turn the light off. And of course, I don't get to enjoy the gift of intimacy God has given to us in marriage. And so there is this laying aside of the benefit of the marriage, but it is not laying aside who I am as her husband. You see how that might apply to this? Jesus, the God-man, he didn't empty himself of being God, just emptied himself of the wonderful glory he enjoyed by being God. Verse 8, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That, my friends, is true humility, the ultimate example of humility. Our humility should come at a cost to something too. And for Jesus, it was the humiliation of, of death, death on a cross, the most disgusting sacrifice, the, different, the, the worst penalty. It was, it was reserved for criminals. But the humiliation of leaving his glory, the benefits of his glory, to be made in the form of man. What a sacrifice he has made in that regard. Let me read to you Hebrews 2, verse 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation or atonement for the sins of the people. A beautiful example of him leaving his, the benefits of his glory and coming and being made in the likeness. He saw that he had to do that. Brothers and sisters, what can you sacrifice in your humility? What could you sacrifice? Perhaps it's something like missing out on something that you actually would love to serve a brother or sister. You probably know better than me what that might be. Maybe it's doing something that isn't very enjoyable uh, at all for you, but blesses the one you're serving. It might be going along to a bridal expo, guys, uh, with, with your loved one. Maybe it's spending time with a hurting member of your community group. And that could be draining, but it's sacrificial. Maybe it's giving up a Saturday morning to, to serve alongside uh, Lou George and the legends at Workday. I'll tell you what, you will learn what humility and servant-heartedness, selflessness, what sacrifice looks like from these godly people. Perhaps you're going to sacrifice time with friends and family to come and pray, to come to our prayer room times and intercede for people. Monday morning, 6.30 a.m., Thursday night, 7, 7 p.m., Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, come, gather, make sacrifice to, to come before God and pray. 
Humility is being selfless, a servant, sacrificial. And what a joy it is to follow in the footsteps, an example of our Lord and Saviour Jesus. I just want you to just humour me. Close your eyes for, one, for a little bit. Who comes to mind as someone who models this humility? Can you think of someone who might be someone close to you or you notice them from afar? Can I urge you to encourage that person in the way they're bringing joy to the lives around you? The lives around them. Honour them. There will be this mutual blessing for you both as you show gratitude for their Christ-likeness. You can open your eyes. We can have joy in a broken church as we align our minds together in love We put on humility, being a servant, selflessness, sacrificial. And lastly, and thirdly, we we can have joy as we count the cost. You know, we need to see what is at stake when we decide not to pursue the attitude of love to others and what's at stake when we do. What is there to be enjoyed and the blessing to be received? You know, what's at stake when we decide not to pursue this attitude of love? It's division in the church. We jeopardize our effectiveness as sharers of the gospel in the, in the world. Philippians, uh, earlier in Philippians uh, chapter 1, verse 15, it spoke about uh, people that preached Christ from envy and rivalry and how they did it to, out of selfish ambition and not sincerely. And then on the other hand, you had people that were doing it out of goodwill. So there was this division. So this is, at what's, this is what's at stake when we decide not to. We've got to count the cost. John 13, verse 35. Some of you might know it. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. We count the cost and we embrace the need to be united with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And when we do, we see a really beautiful thing. Let's read verse uh, 9 of chapter 2. Therefore, so in light of this, in light of Jesus' example, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. His act of humility pleased God the Father. Jesus' humility was exalted by God the Father. He delighted in the work of his Son, and we should delight in him too. But what is possibly just as profound and delightful for us those who have surrendered their life to the Lord Jesus, of course. Since we are in Christ, we too anticipate a resurrection and exaltation with Christ one day. We long for the day when we won't suffer persecution, of course, and uh, the times where we endure tensions, we, we long for that to be gone, particularly within an imperfect church. But in the meantime, we live day by day practicing humility being refined in our faith, and it pleases God. 
Verse 12, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my absence, but more in my, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work, for his good pleasure. Work out what God has worked into you. And this isn't talking about this initial justification uh, you know, coming to faith, but this is rather talking about our ongoing work. Uh, the word for that would be sanctification, this ongoing work. And when we do, when we live out what God has worked in us, it actually pleases God. Isn't that beautiful? I hope you haven't heard a message tonight of just do these things and like, legalism, just do these things and God's going to be happy and you'll be right with God. It's actually not what I'm saying. I'm, I'm sorry if that's what you've heard. It's actually the opposite. I'm saying Christ has worked on our behalf. And once we are made a new creation in him through repentance and surrendered our lives to him, we enjoy the benefit of his righteousness. We enjoy the, the benefit of his obedience but what is truly special is that we, we get to live in obedience to God now. And it pleases God the Father. And I don't know about you, but that, that gives me a bit of joy. That gives me joy. So what's your joy like in the body of Christ right now? This joy can only be experienced as those who have surrendered to the Lord Jesus. Are you... Like, am I aligning my mind to the rest of the body of Christ? This is a challenge for me. Am I humbling myself by becoming selfless, a servant, sacrificial? Am I counting the cost of doing so and not doing so? Where are you in your joy with the Lord right now? What kind of church could we be? What kind of kind of youth group could we be and what, what kind of young adult community could we be what kind of community groups could we, could we could we have what kind of families could we have husbands and wives what could we have if we just put on this attitude i hope we will be the the kind of followers of christ who align our minds with one another who humble ourselves and, and count the cost of doing so and it's my prayer that that we would embrace this. And, and, tr- and I truly believe that the church will experience real joy when it learns to really love one another, just like Christ has loved the church and humanity. Our, our vision as a church is to bring glory to God, joy to the city. And we want to bring joy to the city, don't we? And, and we've got to be united it, what's at stake, if we're not, is our effectiveness to, to boldly go out of this room and share the gospel with those around us. And so I implore you to consider this passage, consider the teaching. I know that my words are foolish, they're, they're few, there's so much more in this, but we must be selfless, we've got to be servants, we've got to be sacrificial, we've got to be humble. We've got to love one another, and that's where it starts. We've got to love one another. So we just stand with me, and we're going to pray and ask that God would just bed this into our hearts right now.
God, thank you for your word, and it is so powerful. And, and God, I just hope that you will be just still working in each and every person in this room, uh, beyond this time together. That even as we step out and enjoy a meal together out in the terrace, that, that you would be speaking to us. We'd be considering the unity that we have with one another and the, the ramifications of being or experiencing disunity in this place. God, we just so hope to be united as one body. We so just want to model the humility of Christ, that of, a, that of a servant, someone that was selfless and sacrificial. God, this is serious stuff. And so I just pray for my brothers and sisters here tonight that they would consider this. You keep ministering to us by your Holy Spirit. and God, change us. May we be more like Jesus. And as we sing this last song, as we respond now in praise, it is our prayer that we would become more and more like the Lord Jesus, the one who perfectly modeled this. We pray this in his name. Amen. If this has been brand new, you've never come to church before, you don't even know what, you've never looked at a Bible, the Bible in front of you, take it home, read it this week. Keep reading the book of Philippians. But if this just isn't making any sense, but there's something going on right now and you're not really sure, you're feeling this a lack of joy, do talk to us. Come to the front. Come talk to Pastor Tim. I talk to Lauren, myself, other leaders in this place. We'd love to talk to you tonight. God bless you.